He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program. Hello, Crashberry here. First of all, thank you very much for listening. The number of folks tuning into the Crash Program has made it so it would be possible to start charging for advertising. However, I've decided against running ads because I don't want to disrupt your podcast listening experience. Whether it be about the evil priests of Springfield, Massachusetts, or about my time on Tough Island, or, like during today's episode of Disinfomaniacs, about the trans panic in Maine, I think it would be too jarring to suddenly interrupt the narrative with Book a Drunken Vacation with CaribbeanCabinRentals.com So instead, I'm relying on you, the listener, to support journalism and stories that go places others won't. Join our community at Patreon.com where your financial support means early access, free books, and occasional bonus content. So go to patreon.com slash crash underscore berry or crashberry.com for all the details. Also, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, on with the show. Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the disinfomaniacs. Welcome to episode 7 of Disinfomaniacs. It's called Trans Panic in Maine, part 2. I'm Crash Barry, and I'm here with historian and journalist Andy O'Brien. Hello, everybody. Our fellow chud hunter, Nathan Bernard, is away on an undercover assignment, but he will return soon. All right, before we get going today, we have a content warning for you. There's a lot of sex talk by chuds in this episode, so this episode is not safe for work or for around children. And in this episode, because some of the content, as you're going to hear, is pretty damn sketchy, we've actually uh, tried something new. Uh, We've trained an AI robot to clone the voice of one of the people we'll be discussing. So this robot will read this guy's blog post, but in a voice very similar to the guy. Don't worry, anytime we use the AI voice, we'll let you know beforehand. And this is a second episode in a series of shows. If you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen, we'll wait for you. Andy, you're running the series that we're calling Trans Panic in Maine. So please, before we get started, give us a brief, and I mean brief, recap of what we talked about last time. So last time we talked about this cast of characters uh, who are waging a war on public schools, teachers, and school boards over this trans panic that's happening. People like Sean McBrearty and other conservative activists 
are trying to get books banned that contain LGBTQ content and harassing teachers and accusing them um, with no evidence of being sexual perverts and pedophiles and groomers. Uh, And it's just a really nasty scene out there. Our schools are really under attack. Our teachers are being defamed. And so we're going to talk about some of those other characters today who are involved in that. Again, if you haven't listened, you got to go back because there's some crazy tape in that last episode. So today we're going to be talking about McBrearty's hench people. Yeah. So Sean McBrearty has a lawyer uh, named Mark Rendoza who's handled his cases in Hamden and Herman. And he's really quite an interesting character. Many of his clients are in the porn industry, including big names like Kink.com, Bang Bus, Milf Hunter. Uh, he's also known as the attorney of the trolls. You're telling me that McBrady's lawyer represents Kink or has represented Kink.com, yeah. Bang Bus, and Milf Hunter. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of like a copyright enforcer. Uh, for these porn companies, and, and we'll get more into it. It gets much worse than that. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with representing porn companies, I guess. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, McBrady's hanging out with a porn lawyer. That's all. Oh, yeah. Rendoza has, has represented a, a cast of the nation's most awful people, uh, including Alex Jones, rape apologist, weird Mike Cernovich, uh, neo-Nazi Andrew Anglin, uh, who has the site The Daily Stormer, a neo-Nazi website. Terrible, man. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, and in the case where he represented Andrew Anglin, Anglin was ordered to pay $14 million judgment for orchestrating an anti-Semitic harassment campaign against a woman from uh, Montana and her family between 2016 and 2017. Really, really ugly stuff. He's such a scumbucket. He is a total awful, awful person. And he's on the lamb. He is. He is. Last year, a judge ordered his arrest for failure to respond to that. Uh, (laughs) Rendoza has also been investigated uh, or disciplined for misconduct in four states, (laughs) most of the states where he has a license to practice law. A judge even rejected Rendoza's application to be a lawyer in the Sandy Hook defamation suit against Alex Jones (laughs) due to serious misconduct. Uh, And Jones fired him uh, as his lawyer after that. So that kind of shows you uh, what kind of person he is. Uh, as the Huffington Post reported, the judge rejected Rendoza because he once pled guilty to ethical violations uh, for soliciting a bribe from the file sharing company he was suing on behalf of a porn company. Ah. Uh, and so the Nevada bar <laughs> let him go with a slap on the wrist. Uh, 12 month stay suspension and 18 month probation. So he was <laughs> soliciting a bribe from from the person you're suing is pretty low. I mean, I'm surprised he still has a license. Even for a lawyer, that's low. <laughs> Rendoza has ironically advocated for legalizing possession of child sexual abuse content known as child porn. It's child sexual abuse content. It is. If it I is. ever see. The what I call the CP word again. I I see it in mains mainstream newspapers and yes. television reporting. It is child sexual abuse. Yeah, content. You know we don't use those other words. No, 
I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying no. in general, that's the worst. Yeah, it's it, we're trying to get rid of other, you know, like underage prostitutes. Right. It's like, I'm sorry, you, you, you're you not able to make that decision as a minor. You're, you're being abused. Um, and in a post on the website Pope Hat in January 2017, Rendoza advocates for revisiting two Supreme Court decisions, New York versus Ferber, uh, which held that states could ban the sale of child sexual abuse imagery, uh, and Osborne versus Ohio, which made possession of child sexual abuse illegal. Uh, as he writes on Popat, I think that it's time for us to rethink Ferber or at least Osborne. In doing that, yes, we might make it legal for some creep to have a shoebox full of po- child porn images, but that is a small price to pay to exercise the infection we have been carrying around since 1982. He's describing the illegality of distributing, selling, and possessing child porn as an infection. The actual law gets. And again, child porn is his words. We're not using that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's child sexual abuse. So that isn't Pope Hat. I, I don't even know what Pope Hat is. I don't want to know. He obviously is a whack job. Okay. What else? Well, I, I just like this last thing he said in that article uh, was I get it. Nobody wants to be the one to say, hey, maybe child porn ought to be legal. I expect to have this very post used against me in the future. Like right now. Okay. You scumbucket. <laughs> Oh, my God. Rendoza has also been an outspoken defender of Philip Greaves. Uh, Have you ever heard of this guy? No. Uh, He's a suspected pedophile. And and one of the reasons is uh, he's an author of a book titled The Pedophile's Guide to Love and Pleasure. Uh, In a December 2010 post, he accused the Florida sheriff who arrested Greaves. This is Rendoza. Uh, accused the Florida sheriff who arrested Greaves on charges of obscenity as running a little caliphate of inbred methistan. Greaves ended up pleading no contest and served two years probation. Uh, so McBrearity, who is constantly railing about supposed child sexual abuse imagery in schools, not true, uh, is actually employing a, an advocate for legalization of uh, child sex abuse imagery. McBrearity always is raising money. Off his legal problems, he does the give, send, go thing where Dr. Christian Northrup gave him $300, where John Linehan, the fascist movie theater owner from Ellsworth, gave him $1,000. So they're both big save the children type people. And yet they're giving money through McBrady to this lawyer who is a, a train wreck. I have a picture of him. Have you looked at this Rendosa character on here? Oh, uh, okay. Yep. I see that. Yeah. He's kind of creepy on the internet as well. You know, I saw one tweet where this guy was saying, the men peak uh, when their 38 thing is such a huge cope. It isn't even funny. The average 25-year-old guy could easily get a girlfriend aged 18 to 25. The average 38-year-old guy is completely invisible to girls aged 18 to 25. And and Mark Rendoza's like, yeah, but once you hit your mid-40s, there's a whole bunch of girls in their 20s who actually have a fetish for guys your age. I don't want to make fun of someone for their looks, because that's something we don't... We try not to make fun of people yeah. for things they can't control, but this guy totally looks like a creep. Is he still McBrady's lawyer? 
as far as I know, um, but last winter he was diagnosed with throat cancer uh, and has just finished treatment. Sounds like it was a really uh, rough ordeal for him as cancer treatment is. So, you know, we'll see if he's well enough to defend Sean McBee. Well, I don't think he was ever well enough. Yeah. All right. So that's his lawyer. Yikes. You know, what's interesting is that like Maine is one of the least religious states in the U.S., but right-wing fundamentalist Christians just dominate the main GOP at every level. Last year at the main Republican Party convention, Sean McBrady proposed and successfully passed a don't say gay resolution to ban uh, critical race theory and sex education in schools and limit what school staff can say about gender and sexuality. Uh. You know, this is part of the Republican Party platform now. This is not fringe stuff this is the mainstream of the republican party essentially just wants trans people to disappear by making it as difficult as possible for them to live in maine ironically mcbrearty and maine first project which is the organization he works for larry lockman's organization yes larry lockman's group uh, have actually promoted a child sex offender uh, whose transphobic positions they agree on. So again, another pedophile adjacent person, a literal pedophile. This is when we're going to start in a couple of minutes using the AI robot. This is where we had to clone the guy's voice because we can't read this guy's stuff. You just don't want to read it. It's off. But we need the listener to hear it and it's blog posts. So you're going to hear a lot of this fellow named uh, David Arthur Kendall. Tell us about him, Andy. Main first project, McBrady, have frequently promoted uh, David Arthur Kendall, uh, who is a convicted child sex offender and a lifetime registrant on the sex offender registry. Now, being a lifetime registrant on the sex offender registry is is pretty big deal. Uh, you'd had to do something pretty bad. Kendall is from Downey's Maine and has been trying to make a name for himself as a, quote, detransitioner who was lured into what he describes as his LGBTQ rainbow cult and brainwashed into committing horrible crimes against children. Now, the anti-trans movement love these so-called detransitioners, and they often just will fly around the same half dozen of them uh, around the country. Um, and so, you know, he saw his chance to for for some fame and glory or whatever in doing that, and, and, and that's what he does. He's testified in the main legislature. He's appeared in anti-trans documentaries and right-wing media uh, like the Falun Gong outlet, the Epic Times. Uh, he was even given the job as director of advocacy for a local anti-trans group called Parents Rights Maine. Say that again. I, I, that is just mind-boggling. Yeah. So a, a lifetime registrant on the Maine Sex Offender Registry was given the job as director of advocacy for the group Parents Rights Maine. Huh. Uh, and this group has been actively lobbying the legislature on anti-trans bills often talking about how it's so inappropriate for kids to see certain images or read certain books. Uh, and yet they, this guy is their outreach guy. And so Parents' Rights Maine states on its website, uh, in its mission statement, it gives a very vague description of its mission, uh, writing that it aims to, quote, restore and protect the inherent rights and responsibility of the parent regardless of religion, creed, political belief, or affiliation, race, or orientation. It tries to describe itself as almost apolitical, 
but in practice, it is focused on attacking trans people and public schools for supporting them. Uh, they constantly use this sort of mealy mouth doublespeak to make it seem like it's just this nonpartisan organization concerned about rights. Uh, but on its Facebook page, it, it spreads medical disinformation about gender dysphoria. It claims people with gender dysphoria have mental illness and it supports abusive quack anti-gay remedies like so-called gay conversion therapy, uh, which was actually made illegal in Maine uh, of last year, a few years ago, uh, which really upset uh, a lot of the Christian churches that use this uh, this method. But it's it's very it's very uh, traumatic for LGBTQ youth to go through it. It's just it's really bad. Parents' rights may they also accuse educators of being sexual predators. And of course, they advocate for book bans. It has hosted Sean McBriarty at its panel discussions and opposed bills in the legislature to protect transgender uh, medical care and supported legislation to ban so-called critical race theory in schools. Uh, its Facebook group is filled with anti-trans posts. Uh, it's it's really nasty. January 6th rioter Justin Wynott is one of the co-directors of Parents Rights Maine. Uh, on January 6th, 2021, he posted to Facebook uh uh, blaming the insurrection on Antifa provocateurs, claiming us Trump supporters gave them beatdowns and drug them out. Don't let the media fool you. In a long post the next day, he talks about how proud he was to be part of the riot, writing, As people pushed their way through the crowd trying to get to their destination, all you could hear were excuse me, thank yous, pardon me's, and pleases. They're so polite. It's good to know the chuds are polite to each other when ransacking the U.S. Capitol and beating down cops. And rubbing their feces on walls. <laughs> I forgot about that one, right. They really can't make up their minds about what they are supposed to be. Are they Antifa or are they Patriots? David Arthur Kendall's role in Parents' Rights Maine was to, quote, help families and young adults uh, that reach out for help. Uh, eventually, we hope to grow this team out to include supporting advocates and a legal team. He claims to speak to two to four high school classes a few times a year that the parents sign waivers to let their kids see them. I I question some of this. Can you imagine like sending home a permission slip from a school and like, oh, yeah, uh, a convicted uh, child uh, sex offender is, is going to be addressing our class about trans people. Like, Well, I'm pretty sure they don't put that in the brochure, right? Or the waivers. It, it might be like a church. group. I can't imagine him being led into public schools. At least I hope not. Not a chance. Yeah. You met the guy, right? You met David Arthur Kendall. I met him uh, at a tiny anti-LGBTQ demonstration at Augusta in May. Uh, he was hanging out with Sean McBrady, of course. I asked him about his history of sexual abuse, uh, which, of course, he blames on trans people. But you can hear that interview here. You were talking about child sex offenders. Like, aren't you a, a convicted? I am a, I am a registered uh, sex offender. Um, I'm not For a registered children, child right? sex offender. I'm a registered sex offender. I have one sex offense on my record. Uh -huh. um, and it's pretty much a long story. You can go on my website. There's a whole blog about it, uh -huh. um, and you can pretty much see, you know, how, how I break it down. But this is what child uh, sex trafficking victims end up doing. They become agents of their sex traffickers. And that's, it's really important that we understand that because this is why 
We have all of the educators that are in position and social workers that are in position right now within the education system. They've been groomed to groom. They've been groomed for these positions. And so they are also victims of this cult. So this guy says not a child sex offender, uh, one sex offense on his record. I don't want to belabor this, but here are the facts. It literally says that he was convicted of child fondling on his profile on the online sex offender registry. Kendall is on the sex offender registry for two counts involving a 12-year-old. Okay, this is not some young man with a teenage boyfriend or something. This is right. a 12-year-old. Yes. Uh, he was stated openly that the initial charge was in 1995, but he was not charged until 2002 and took a plea deal, but then willingly gave up his probation for state prison time because he was busted in a drug prostitution sting in 2001, uh, where he was found to have an underage lover. Quote, underage lover. What the? I don't even know what that is. So according to his criminal record, he was found guilty of a lewd act in the presence of a child. He describes how he was caught with a 15-year-old in 2006. Here's A.I. Kendall telling us about what happened from his blog. I was arrested on a probation violation for drugs, prostitution, and robbing a gas station. I was also charged with failure to register at the time as well. During the sting operation, it was discovered that my boyfriend who was caught with me in our hotel room, was 15 years old. This did not look good for me as a convicted sex offender, and I was given the option of another charge or cash in my probation for state prison time. I chose the latter. I chose to have no probation in place of prison time. Again, that was the A.I. Kendall reading his blog entry, and it stumbled once there when he says, I was given the option of another charge or to cash in my probation for state prison time. That's just jibber-jabber, right? Like, this is his own revisionist version of what happened. Yeah. It's not at all what happened. So we have to keep on saying that. Yeah, he, he constantly lies. Yeah, he's a pathological liar. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't believe much of what he says. But some of this stuff is is, is recorded in documents and uh, court records and things. Kendall has repeatedly told various audiences that he had full-blown AIDS uh, and that he intentionally gave it to a 15-year-old. He has told this story multiple times to numerous audiences and various interviews and appearances. After I released our interview on social media, he went on Twitter in full damage control mode and made a long post that made it much, much worse. Here's AI Kendall reading his progenitor's tweets about his victim. Well, I'll never know how many I actually infected or reinfected. I do know that I was able to meet with a young man that I infected many years ago, and he forgave me as he told me, I don't hold you responsible for my sexual fetishes and escapade. I will always remember the relief of weight I physically felt lifted when he embraced me and said, I forgive you. He was 15 years old when we met. I was an adult. A perverted, deviant adult that had suffered at the hands of molesters, rapists, abusers, sex traffickers, and groomers my entire childhood and most of my adult life, but still a monster created by victimhood and circumstances. That is the AI version of this dude reading from his blog. 
and it captures his voice uh, pretty you know it sounds similar it's just missing that air of self-righteousness that he has every time he talks about oh that's what i should have told that they ask for adjectives when you're making when you're creating a clone oh and i should have put self-righteous in okay next time we talk about this guy (laughs) uh it's a weird thing that uh sex criminals do is they often say that their victims forgave them and uh, a long-time listeners to this podcast know season one is devils and dirtbags and they might remember the murderer priest, uh, Richard Levine, that I interviewed. And he claimed that the kid who actually busted him then told them, oh, no, that you actually didn't do this. And and that I feel sorry for what happened to you. It seems like a pattern with sex offenders in their narrative. They reconstruct it so that, oh, yeah, they were they the victims. It wasn't the victims. It was society or whatever. I mean, plenty of people have been through terrible experiences, trauma and sexual abuse, and they don't become child sex offenders. Listening to him say that, it just I had to do everything I could not to throttle him. Yeah. It's pretty convenient to scapegoat a marginalized group of people for your own disgusting behavior. When people went after him on Twitter after I dropped the video of our interview in May, he was defiant. Here's the AI robot reading his response. I have done my apologizing and repenting back in 2009. I have already been forgiven. I do not owe those reading my posts an apology. I also am not here for anyone's forgiveness. That is not what this mission is all about. Now, according to Kendall, uh, he's still alive today because God cured him of, quote, full-blown AIDS, and the doctors declared him a miracle. I looked into this because we have some clips that we're trying to patch together of him talking about this. First of all, I hate it when people say that God cured them of something when there's so many other people that God didn't cure. And there isn't any real proof God cured him or that he even had full-blown AIDS, okay? And the doctor story, you know, it changes a little bit. One time it's a nurse that says it was a miracle. Another time it's a doctor, okay? So he tells different stories at different times. Again, a sign of someone that has some pathological issues. Yeah. Kendall is very openly gay, uh, even though for a period of time he was a self-described ex-gay after apparently undergoing some kind of gay conversion therapy, which, you know, as I mentioned, is now illegal in Maine. But as Mooncat has pointed out, and Mooncat is our friend um, uh, on Twitter, uh, you can find him talking about all these chuds and doing some fantastic research. What Mooncat found out is it's questionable whether Kendall was ever actually transgender. He notes that there are only six total pictures of Kendall appearing as a woman. Uh, He presents as a man in his prison intake photo in 1998. And it's just from this one period of time where he has pictures of him presenting as a woman. He's such an unreliable narrator, right? Uh, Who knows what's true and what isn't? You know, Kendall is part of this tiny anti-trans, quote, LGB movement of right-wing gays and lesbians who are trying to erase and exclude queer trans and non-binary folks. Uh, I I think there's a very small group, but they're very loud and they get a platform because anti-trans people are always looking for, uh, you know, gay and lesbian folks to throw trans and, and non-binary queer people under the bus. Uh, 
One of these people happens to be Parents' Rights co-director Nicole Hart, uh, a self-described lesbian who claims she came from an abusive background and once suffered from gender dysphoria. Time out. I hate to interrupt, but I think I have some breaking news here, okay? Nicole Hart has founded the main chapter of Moms for Liberty. Uh... Just started this week. This is breaking news. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. You know that, right? That this person <laughs> started Moms for Liberty. She is um, the co-director of Parents' Rights Maine and now the founder of the main chapter of Moms for Liberty. If you don't know Moms for Liberty, listener, oh boy. Yeah. It's an AstroTurf Moms' Rights group, and that's in quotes, very active, and they're very, very, very smooth. They're electing people into school boards across the country. So that's good to know. I didn't make that connection until just now. And ironically named Moms for Liberty. Uh, there's nothing Liberty about them. All they're trying to do is restrict rights and, and ban books and everything like that. If you go do some research, listener, they're at the control of some very powerful uh, right-wing moneyed folks. So they try to appear like they're grassroots, but it's actually just dark money funding it. The thing is, is like all these groups, it's the same people being members of it. They just sort of cross-pollinate and like, here's another group. And so they can all sort of, oh, look, we're a coalition. <laughs> so people like Nicole Hart and another group called Gays Against Groomers, which was essentially two women in Maine that had that group. And I don't think they're active in it anymore. Uh, but they're essentially allied with the same people who want to shove them all back in the closet and make same-sex marriage illegal and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they epitomize the sort of uh, the, the, quote, leopards eating faces party meme, which you may have seen on Twitter and places. You know, I never thought the leopards would eat my face when I joined the leopards eating faces party. A good example of this is... Uh, in June, uh, following the Pride Parade in Portland, uh, David Arthur Kendall was appalled at seeing a graffiti blitz by this chud in Portland named Richard Ward uh, and his pal Lynn Moon, uh, in which they spray painted uh, very intelligent slogans like fuck pride, white pride, uh, fags equals hell, transpedo, fuck bags, all this stuff on a Portland graffiti wall. As Kendall wrote on Twitter in response, uh, here's a robot reading his tweets. I absolutely do not promote violence of any kind. I don't care what the person claims to stand for. If they think this is okay, then they are just as depraved as those they are standing against. This is disgusting, and so is anyone that promotes or encourages it. Sadly, even the gay men and women who are trying to stand against the LGBT transqueer rainbow cult with those who believe we're going to burn in hell are getting tired of the push for violence and the foul choices being put forth. Nobody can stand against this cult like gay men and women can. If you all lose us, then you will lose this battle. And many of us are getting tired of your stupidity and ignorance. Enough said. Enough said. Now, this was filled with capital letter, all caps, and, and exclamation points. Yeah, lots of uh, unique punctuation. It just seemed to me like the robot was even getting tired of reading that towards the end. You know, it's like the robot was like losing its will to do this voice because it's so lame. Richard Ward did that graffiti, and he does it a lot. Uh, he just did yeah. it again last week in Portland. 
where I saw a post of his on Facebook where he does that and he feels he can graffiti graffiti, right? Because yeah. that's his right. But it's not like artistic at all. It's just like poor handwriting scribble. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Kendall did not like that at all. And But the people he's saying, you know, that are pushing for violence and all this other stuff, well, he is united with them. He works with them all the time. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the oppressed allying with the oppressors is not a new phenomenon. Right, uh, right, right. And it never turns out well. I always draw comparisons to the Association of German National Jews, uh, known as Jews for Hitler, uh, which was an organization of Jewish fascists that pushed for total Jewish assimilation, uh, the self-eradication of Jewish identity, and the expulsion from Germany of Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe uh, in the 1920s and 30s when the Nazis came to power. Um, they organized against the international boycott of German products and issued a manifesto stating that Jews were being fair, fairly treated in Germany. Uh, and in, 18, in 1934, uh, the associ association made the following statement. Uh, do you want to read that? We have always held the well-being of the German people and the fatherland to which we feel inextricably linked above our own well-being. Thus, we greeted the results of January 1933 when Hitler became chancellor, even though it has brought hardship for us personally. Now, of course, the Nazis had no interest in promoting Jewish assimilation. Uh, they wanted to exterminate all the Jews. That was well known. Eventually, the Association of German National Jews was declared illegal and dissolved in 1935. Its founder, Max Naumann, was arrested by the Gestapo and sent to a concentration camp. There's past precedent for this kind of stuff. Uh, but there's nothing right-wing zealots love more uh, than allies like an anti-Black African-American or an anti-trans gay person. Fundamentalist Christians also love a redemption story of someone who committed horrible acts and then found Jesus, especially if they use their story to attack their opponents. Uh, when someone asked Sean McBrady about why he was promoting a pedophile on Twitter, he answered, Hold on. We trained an AI robot based upon Sean McBrady's voice. Christians learn from horrible examples of the past. Listen to yourself. Until then, pound sand. <laughs> but generally, people have responded to Kendall's behavior with anger and revulsion. Um, after trans-exclusionary radical feminists known as TERFs learned that a guy who bragged about infecting children with HIV was in the anti-trans documentary Affirmation Generation, all hell broke loose. Uh, according to De Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire, the film was created by self-described lifelong West Coast liberal Democrats and features 60 transitioners who regret their procedures. So finally, one of the filmmakers, uh, Vera Linder, announced that in May that they had removed David's appearance in the film, writing that, quote, recent information was not available at the time the producers reviewed the background report and cleared him for participation. I don't buy that at all. I mean, I I ran a background check on him, and it's obvious uh, the, the problems with him. So I mean, there's an article online, but even a background check would show that. Even the the cheap ones show you if they're a sex offender. Yeah. So what did Parents Rights Maine do? So it took gosh about 
three more months for parents' rights made to get rid of Kendall, uh, finally dumping the dude in July after constantly defending him. You know, as we've seen in countless child sex scandals of religious authorities over the years, these people will bend over backwards to support and protect pedophiles. Right. Tell me about it. I mean, again, Devils and Dirtbags season one in great detail shows how the Catholic Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts, covered up for dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of bad men, including a murderer. Right. Cover up after cover up the bishops all the way up to the bishops. And, you know, they defended them. They continued to pay them. They destroyed complaints. Ah, yeah, it's standard operating procedure. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Parents' rights made replace Kendall with a former cop named Michael O'Neill, uh, the founder and CEO of the group, quote, Keeping Kids Safe. It's a 501c3 nonprofit that has been endorsed by the Maine Association of Police, the Maine Troopers Foundation, and various public school administrators. This guy looks like you'd envision a stereotypical cop. You know, he's he's bald, he's stocky, uh, and he's standing at the mic at one of these school board meetings. It's Mike O'Neill from Keeping Kids Safe, which is a nonprofit agency. We teach children against anti-bullying, sexting, internet safety, child sex trafficking. Okay. Do anybody know what the suicide rate in the state of Maine is? Or 100,000 at 16.8. Okay. This is from America Health Ratings. Okay. State of Maine. We have one of the highest child suicide rates in the country per capita. The capita is 10. We're at 16.8. Okay. It's time we get this critical race theory, all this pedophilia, take a step back, work with the parents, and agree together on the curriculum that you want your children, these, these taxpayers are paying your salaries, want to have in their schools. Not what people you want, but what they need. These children are going home, arguing with, matter of fact, I had a friend last night whose daughter goes to Wyndham. They're arguing because of this, okay? She's at the point where she's so upset, she's like, I wanna end it. This is ridiculous. She is 12 years old. She does not need to be going home fighting with their parents over you, over what you guys are teaching. It's wrong, okay? These poor parents have a voice and they need a voice, okay? They're the taxpayers of this, you know, this, this town. We gotta work together to save our children. We have the highest rate of suicide. This is uncalled for. One is too many. Okay, and I teach kids and parents about everything, about how to protect their children from grooming, from sex trafficking, from everything. I never thought I'd be up here talking to a school board about protecting our children. Enough is enough. Please take a step back, look at your curriculum, work with these parents together to save our children. They deserve it. They are innocent. Please do us a favor and keep them safe. Wow. So many things in there. Okay. I fact check it while we were listening to it. The suicide rate thing, it's not an accurate representation, but also the save the children thing. As you and I both know, that's the battle cry of the QAnon movement. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's very Q-esque. I've looked at him. Uh, he, he doesn't outwardly support Q, but he, he's singing the same song. And he's also a blowhard. <laughs> 
he doesn't have any connection to the school district that he's actually speaking at, okay? He doesn't live there. This was another uh, school board meeting about the book Gender Queer, which we talked about in the previous episode, which is a coming-of-age memoir uh, by a non-binary person about life growing up non-binary. And and a lot of these groups uh, are trying to ban this book in schools because of a few images that, that, that they think is inappropriate. Right. He's very self-righteous. He's very, you know, I'm the authority, listen to me kind of guy. And I just, I didn't really know much about this group uh, that he's the head of before, this Keeping Kids Safe. So its mission is to bring together resources for parents, schools, and child caregivers to help keep our children safe, okay? Keeping Kids Safe also offers educational Safety presentations, including cyber safety, sexting, anti-bullying awareness and education, child sex trafficking awareness, education, personal safety training, child ID app, all this kind of stuff to protect kids from sexual predators. Uh, He's also the instructor of of Date Escape and Kid Escape. Okay, Date Escape and Kid Escape. Yeah, so I looked up, they said it teaches children the grip, dip, and spin technique that could save their lives. So I guess it's like some kind of special move that kids learn to, you know, punch somebody in the groin or something. Grip, dip, and spin technique. Maybe we should see if there's any videos about that. He also teaches you know, all kinds of safety programs, uh, like about the dangers of the internet, all this kind of stuff. So much of his online activity is him posting pictures of missing children and promoting the film Sound of Freedom, uh, a new movie about uh, Tim Ballard, the former government agent who embarks on a mission to rescue children from Columbia. Have you heard of this movie, Crash? Oh, yeah. I almost went to see it. And then at the last minute, I decided not to go because I didn't want to give him my money. But uh, you're <laughs> This O'Neill is also an anti-child sex trafficking advocate, right? Isn't that something he claims to be, right? Yeah. I've been seeing a lot more of that lately in these Chud's profiles. Yeah. Like they're anti-child sex trafficking advocates. I don't know what that means, (laughs) but I know that that Tim Ballard, or it was based on his movie, right? That movie's quite questionable anyway. I've heard it's very boring, (laughs) too. A lot of conservatives I've talked to lately are talking about that. Like, we're opposing child sex uh trafficking and stuff i'm like that's like opposing murder who is in congress passing laws to protect sex offenders or allow them to make it easier to molest kids it's crazy it's the cabal that's QAnon. oh total or it's uh QAnon adjacent right they want to believe the same myths that QAnon did but without having that q label because that makes them crazy Right. Oh, you're into Q. So no, I'm not into Q, but I am an anti-child sex trafficking advocate. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you see that, in all likelihood, in their in their closet, they have a, a QAnon t-shirt. Yeah. So I'm talking about their clothes closet at home. They probably have a QAnon t-shirt or two. Absolutely, and it's 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 a moral panic. It's awful that this happens, but it's anybody who can tell you who works in law enforcement or, you know, as a, as a prosecutor or whatever, human trafficking is generally one thing. It's it's people who know the kid, somebody in their family. Or their priest 
or their minister. That kind of thing. Or it's human trafficking workers, yep. uh, whether they're sex workers or construction workers, factory workers. All those kinds of people are are trafficked and exploited. Uh, but they don't want to talk about all that. They, they're they insistent it's, a, it's the cabal. Of course it's Hillary Clinton. How could it not be? People talk about how QAnon's dead. It's not. It's just... You know, transformed into a new kind. It's of it's all rebranded. Rebranded, yeah, yeah. We're always for years now going to have to call it Q adjacent because yeah, we we can't forget what they actually believe in. Yeah, Hillary Clinton drinks the blood of children, and we know Hillary Clinton does not drink the blood of children. <laughs> as far as I know, no, not as far as we know, Hillary Clinton does not drink the blood of children. Okay. I haven't been to ClintonBodyCount.com recently. I didn't say anything about them not bumping off a bunch of adults. I'm just saying <laughs> they don't drink the blood of children. Okay, back to this O'Neill guy. I'm highly suspicious of his intentions here. Um, you know, I'll let you judge for yourself. H- here he is testifying in March before the Wyndham School Board. I'm dealing right now with a friend of mine who's a 10-year-old who identified herself as straight. She was asked by her teacher numerous amount of times what she identifies as. She said she identifies as straight. She's been bullied because of that. She doesn't want to go to school anymore and she wants to commit suicide. I've been dealing with that over the weekend. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah, what are you doing? Well, this was another another viral clip that was uh, spread by the main wire. So now all their all their uh, knuckle dragging followers would be like, "Geez, now ten year olds are getting bullied for identifying as straight in school." <laughs> I mean, the way that the way that he described it, it's like the teacher just repeatedly asked her this question, like she was just like, "He," she's like, "Are you gay or straight?" And she's like, "I'm straight." Are you sure? Are you sure? Really? Really? Are you sure? You know, it's like, they don't do that. <laughs> so what are you talking about? I just made a connection back to part one of the series when we had that little lady testifying and she told the story about her great granddaughter doing a drawing. And the teacher said, oh, you know what? That's an OK drawing, but it had been better if you were black. And they're obviously not telling the whole story. Highly unlikely anything this guy says is legit. I mean, we're seeing that these people just say whatever they want. It's turning it around to say that, you know, the the really marginalized and oppressed people, oppressed people are white people and straight people and stuff. And it's it's again this this kind of conservative mantra that they've been pushing for years and years and years that they're the victims uh, and everybody else are the bullies. The youth suicide rate obviously is a problem, and they harp on this all the time. They're like, suicide rate, suicide rate, you know, and especially it is for LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, according to the National Institutes of Health, 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves, and 40% have uh, attempted suicide. But it's not because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, like people like O'Neill and Parents' Rights Maine would have you believe. It's because of how they are treated and stigmatized by people like Michael O'Neill and Parents' Rights Maine. That's really it. It's because they're harassed. Yeah. And I know of a case in Portland that is heartbreaking that I can't go into, but it's just they're harassed to death. Yeah, exactly. That's what's happening. You can talk to therapists about the kind of cases they're seeing. But the fact is, is that these people 
if they're accepted by their parents, if they're just like, yeah, you know, I'll say the right pronouns. I'll just, you know, you're my daughter now. They're fine. You know, they, they can grow up fine. It's not harming them. They'll, they'll talk about, oh, they're having all these horrible surgeries. No, they're not. When they're, they're young, they're kids. It's it's ridiculous. They just, they they are somebody else inside. It would be like me constantly misgendering you as a she. Like nobody wants that. Right. You know, and they don't want to be misgendered either. And so I just can't believe they let this guy into schools. Schools are supposed to be centers for equity and treating everybody fairly. And that's why schools are under fire right now is because schools are trying to honor that commitment to equity by treating people fairly and by calling people by their proper genders. And they'll scream and moan about how they're not telling their parents that they're telling them that. Well, the reason why they're not telling their parents is because the parents often are part of the problem. They're the ones who are bullying these kids. Right. And we know of real cases like that in Maine. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. Harassed to death. On O'Neill's website, he's got all kinds of glowing reviews from Beth Schultz, the former principal of Bonnie Eagle High School in Standish, uh, and the current assistant principal of Gray New Gloucester High School, gushing about how his, he has this powerful message to young people. And, uh, but I think that parents really need to be vigilant about this guy and what he stands for uh, if they value inclusion uh, of LGBTQ students. So if you see anything about Michael O'Neill coming to your kid's school, stand up. And make sure he doesn't get to go speak at the school. Now he's an officer in, in Parents' Rights Maine, and we know what they stand for. Right. There's no question what this guy stands for. Uh, O'Neill is trying to play both sides when confronted by people on social media. Uh, you know, one commenter actually uh, asked on the main Wire video on Facebook back in March, where was this guy when a number of LGBTQIA kids were contemplating suicide? Why now does he show yeah, up right? at this forum? <laughs> and O'Neill responded under his Keep Kids Safe account by claiming he's representing, quote, both sides, and that he has helped uh, LGBTQ children who are still with the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know, in that comment thread, he claimed that he was only opposed uh, to the graphic sexual content of books like Gender Queers. So in that comment thread, he claimed that uh, he is only opposed to the, quote, graphic sexual content of books like Gender Queers. Doesn't matter if it's two girls, boys, or boy and a girl. No books that have sexual explicit material illustrations should be in our schools. I wanted to mention it before, but a lot of these chuds think that graphic novels mean that they're like graphic novels, like sexually graphic novels or whatever. They don't understand that they're like comic books. It's a graphic novel. I don't want my kid reading a graphic novel. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I've seen it in my travels there where they're like, oh, that graphic novel is disgusting. It's like, do you even know what a graphic novel Okay. If you look at these images, it's no different often than what you might see in a sex ed class, which is why a lot of these people oppose sex ed. It's like... It's just like these sort of cartoon figures, uh, you know, uh, having sex. It's not it's not arousing in any way. Especially in this day and age when kids have like unlimited access to porn on the Internet. If a kid is reading, let's encourage more reading. That's part of it. They don't want kids to read. They don't want their kid exposed to it because they're worried their kid will see out their little Christian bubble or whatever. 
Yeah, and and when their kids turn out to have different politics than they do, they they they're like, well, it wasn't something I did. It must have been the teachers, you know. Not that your kid is just thinking for themselves, right? Yeah, it was the groomers, the rainbow cult that Kendall mentions. I I did reach out to O'Neill to ask about why he's supporting an overtly anti-LGBTQ group like Parents Rights Maine. Uh, and he told me that uh, Parents Rights Maine is actually, quote, deeply supportive of the LGBTQ community. Uh, he said he's against underage tra- transition and giving children sexually explicit materials. And then he gave me this whole, we're actually very moderate and extremism on both sides is dangerous. Okay, first of all, there's nobody that's for underage transition. Uh, yes. And there's nobody for giving children sexually explicit material okay that's gobbledygook i think there are like very you know exceptional cases between parents and doctors and yeah but that's a parent and doctor's decision that's not the cabal right it's not the rainbow cult and we're talking about something that's been recognized by the american psychological association all the medical associations recognize that gender dysphoria is a real thing you know, all this stuff that he's saying, it's pure flim flam. Anyone who has followed this group knows what it's all about. I followed up with a question about Parents' Rights Maids' uh, support for Bill's banning critical race theory uh, and how these efforts are about erasing uncomfortable truths about our history of race relations in Maine and the United States. Uh, not surprisingly, I haven't heard back. <laughs> That's the problem is you ask hard questions. And he can't answer. Yeah, that. particularly as he's he's sort of crafted this persona of somebody who's trying to save the children. These are just talking points that are very handy for them to spit out. I wasn't expecting much, but I, you know, I'm surprised he didn't even respond. He's like, "All right." Fortunately, uh, McBrearty, Lockman, Parents' Rights, Maine, and the rest of the anti-LGBTQ movement. Uh, have been generally unsuccessful uh, in taking over school boards uh, as right-wing cranks who oppose diversity, equity, and inclusion have fared pretty poorly in Maine. Um, As one recent poll shows, most parents like their public schools and teachers and support them by wide margins. This is nothing new. People hate other kids' schools. (laughs) They like personally like their kids' schools. I mean, that's been borne out for many, many years. Pro-public education candidates did pretty well in the June election and defeated a number of far-right candidates. Uh, According to the Maine Educational Association, the state's largest teachers' union, and uh, a fervent opponent of these anti-LGBTQ culture warriors. The vast majority of pro-LGBTQ and public education candidates won their elections. Uh, In RSU 63 in Holden, uh, you know, it's a pretty conservative area outside Bangor. Uh, The MEA endorsed write-in candidate Amy Hart, uh, who unseated conservative incumbent Sherry Faulkner, who was one of the school board members who voted to ban all flags on school campus uh, besides the U.S. and Maine state flags. And so the the move uh, effectively banned rainbow flags uh, and other national flags unless they were being used during a lesson. This is part of a nationwide conservative effort to ban flags like you know, Pride and BLM, Black Lives Matter flags across the country. One seventh grade student told the Bangor Daily News after the vote in April that she and her opponents of the ban felt that they were unheard and disrespected and that, quote, our rights are being violated. By taking down rainbow flags, they're saying that we can't express ourselves. 
So this is all about restricting the expression of kids, you know, or or even signaling to kids that they're all accepted and welcome in school. They get really upset, too, when you say, like, we're taking care of our, you know, it's a family in here. McBrady gets really pissed off like a kindergartner will refer to their classes like a family. It's like, you're not the family, the nuclear family. Yikes. Again, with the school board results from June, in RSU 51 in Cumberland, which is uh, McBrady's former hometown, uh, both MEA-endorsed candidates won and unseated a conservative opponent. Uh, in, in Skowhegan, which uh, experienced a major political battle a few years ago over the removal of the Indian mascot, uh, all four MEA-endorsed candidates beat a slate of hardcore right-wingers. Uh, in RSU 22 in Winterport, McBrady's arch nemesis, uh, former state representative Scott Cuddy, uh, won his election to school board. Scott and Sean actually went to school together back in the day. Although he says that he's he's changed a lot, he doesn't. He wasn't always this crazy. So oh, become radicalized. That's good to know. At SAG six, uh, that's Bonnie Eagle, where a lot of these fights were going on. Really, ground zero for McBrady's culture war. Four candidates who pushed back the right wing attacks on the school won their elections, uh, preventing far right chuds from winning seats. And Falmouth, two conservative candidates were also ousted by MEA endorsed candidates. The bad news is, is McBrady and his goons were successful in Herman, uh, where the Republican backed slate of two candidates for city council and one. School board candidate Brian Venziano swept the elections. Venziano defeated incumbent Kristen Shorey, who was supportive of LGBTQ rights. Uh, however, the Chuds still only have two school board positions, so they don't have a majority. Bangor Daily News reported in June, Herman High School principal Brian Walsh has put in place an opt-in system that requires parental consent for students to access books with mature content and or adult themes. So that's sort of trying to chill all of the um, screaming and yelling over books like Gender Queer. Uh, those books will be placed on a reserve shelf behind the library circulation desk, you know, like like a penthouse or something. Bad, 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 bad. I, I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, Gender Queer is actually a, a really good book for a lot of used to read. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that was the compromise they came for. Uh, but, you know, Herman is a pretty conservative town, and it's always been featured in those kinds of stories where reporters go on Trump safaris to talk to locals and figure out, you know, why they vote the way they do, why they vote for Republicans, uh, like we don't already know. <laughs> what I want to say about this is how important this is, what you just talked about, because this is where the chuds are going. First, they go to testify at these school board meetings. That then they're like, it's about time I give back to my community and run for the school board. I can do a better job than these libtards. <laughs> and that's what Moms for Liberty is actually all about. So we're going to be paying very close attention to school board, which used to be like the least controversial town elections. Back when I was a reporter, back in the olden days, it was like, Two well-meaning parents both wanting to be better community members by volunteering to run for the school board, which I will say a million times is a thankless job, even before they're getting harassed by these chugs. Yeah. School board meetings are so friggin' boring. Like, how many times can you talk about budget? I hated that. The budget meetings were so boring. And going over things, lying, oh, my, 
It's a thankless position. And when these chuds get in office and figure out that, whoa, there's a lot more to this than just banning books, they'll drop out. <laughs> but they have to get elected right. first, right? Because you rarely see yeah. the chud go for the second or third term because it's too much work. I'm talking about the school board. There are exceptions, but yeah, yeah. this is the way it is. Some of these chuds get into government and realize they're in over their head because they're dummies. Right. And then they're like, oh, my yeah. God, this is yeah. far more complicated. I thought I was just going to come in here and light this library on fire with a blowtorch. I thought I was going to be burning books. <laughs> Instead, I'm doing budget discussions. <laughs> OK. I mean, they think that they're going to find the puppet masters at the U.N. like and, and, and kick them out of the temple. You know? <sighs> This is also an old strategy, though. I mean, it was the strategy right. of the John Birch Society right, back right, in the right. 60s. They would, always, they would run people for school board because that's where you could build up uh, you know, the power and the candidates to run for higher office. Right. Uh, and, and school boards have always been sort of um, a, a front in the culture wars. Uh, obviously, prayer in school was a huge one back in the day. I'm sure you remember that one. Yes, it's always right. been there, but it's so amplified because of the internet. Sure. I mean, there's so much uh, disinformation out there yeah. and so much of this talking points i mean we've seen it so many times it's always the same complaints very disciplined message discipline there okay uh, my mom ran for the school board back in the 70s because our school wouldn't put in a gym and they'd just be like jesus christ why can't they just climb trees these are farm kids they can get around there was an there wasn't like an open dump on the playground with rats <laughs> running around and shit it's really bad they didn't have a kindergarten lincolnville maine had a rat dump infested playground when you were a kid it was before i was born but but yeah those were those were uh very colorful days um but any anyway uh that was when sort of a progressive movement was uh, was uh happening for schools and now we're seeing right-wing backlash and we need to get people back engaged in schools and not just defend ourselves but actually improve schools and i want to talk a little bit about some of the legislation regarding trans people uh quinn gormley of maine transnet which is a lobbying organization for uh for trans people in maine it's the, the only one um uh, the only ones exclusively for trans folks. Uh, so they reported in the main beacon in July uh, that the Democratic-controlled legislature beat back dozens of Republican anti-trans and anti-queer bills uh, this past spring. Uh, at the same time, the legislature passed a number of pro-equality bills, including measures to protect gender-affirming care coverage under Maine Care, ensure LGBTQ plus patients are asked the right questions by medical professionals, make LGBTQ plus kids safer in schools, and take the controversy away from school boards and move closer to full legal recognition of non-binary Mainers. So there's a lot of positive things that happened in, in that we rejected a lot of these people. People like McBrearity and Parents' Rights Maine and David Arthur Kendall and all these chads were all up trying to, to pass these damaging uh, legislation that came up. Uh, Maine has rejected the attacks on educators and LGBTQ plus youth and it made some real gains for LGBTQ plus people, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that LGBTQ plus people feel safe uh, in the current political climate uh, created by this vocal minority of chuds. You know, it's really critical when we see these fights happening in our communities that we don't just rely on our elected officials to vote down these bans and anti-trans bills. You know, a lot of people were like, 
well, you know, my my local school board member, he's a good guy. He's not going to vote for this crap. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's enough. I think we really need to stand in solidarity with our trans, non-binary, and queer siblings and, and do what we can to protect them from this hate movement, uh, which is kind of what this podcast is about, or at least notifying people of what's what's going on, uh, what kind of hate groups are active in our communities. Uh, and I think people just need to take more steps to, to uh, you know, ensure people are safe from these people. Fascist movements gain power by demonizing certain groups of people and scapegoating goading them for society's problems. You know, we've seen this story play out many times before. You know, like previous uh, fascist movements, the right wing of this country is obsessed with masculinity and they see LGBTQ plus people as a threat to the traditional family. That's that's that that's an old idea. It's way uh, as a the long tradition. Judging by the 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 kind of murderous discourse that is rampant in online conservative groups against trans people. It's, it's really reaching a fever pitch. And I'm sure you've noticed this. Uh, the, you know, you go to any of these conservative groups, that's all they talk about is trans people. They're obsessed. Yeah. And, and they adapt these beliefs and these obsessions, depending on where the right wing media, uh, you know, and politicians uh, tell them to, you know, for a while it was ISIS and it was other, other, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was gay people before, and I was trans people. I think it's really important that we all monitor these people. At the same time, you know, it's been incredibly inspiring uh, to see straight and LGBTQ plus manners unite uh, to expand rights for trans and non-binary people and combat the hate. I, I went to see the main drag queen performers, curbside queens. Uh, the other night at a packed show at the Waldo Theater in Waldoboro, which has always been a very conservative area. I actually got to see John Waters earlier this year. Both these shows, you know, I looked around and I saw all these really happy LGBT couples. Uh, they were both young and old, uh, and I could really feel the love, solidarity, and joy in the air. And I truly think that's how we defeat these haters, is with that kind of love and joy. Well, that's because you're a community organizer and you can see the hope and light and stuff like that. Uh, not me. <laughs> okay, what I got to say about McRarity and Lockman and their tactics, first of all, Larry Lockman was probably very excited when he discovered a, a guy in his own neighborhood to put to work because McBrady's doxing the school employees, you know, giving out their emails and phone numbers and names and constantly naming people over and over and over. Someone is going to get hurt here. And when that happens, the blood will be on McBrady and Larry Lockman and Reverend Ken Graves in the rest of their hands. But I'd like to remind the board, well, one book that we decided to remove for review. This is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And I apologize for this in advance to any minors here. Are you going to eat pussy? Yeah, Earl, I'm going to eat your pussy. Yeah, hey, do you even know how to eat pussy? Uh, not really. Papa Gaines never sat you down, said, son, one day you're going to have to eat the pussy. No, but he did teach me how to eat a butthole. God bless that man. Yep, I would teach you some pussy eating technique, but it's a little complicated. Son, I don't have time for that. I got like 20 pussies over here that I need to eat. Is that right? I'm on a pussy deadline. You've got 20 vaginas all lined up in a row. Aw, oh, what the hell? What the hell? No one's talking about vaginas. Greg, what the hell is wrong with you, man? That's nasty. I'm talking about pussy. I got a little honey mustard over here, a little Heinz 57, and a whole lot of pussy. In the middle school, guys. In the middle school. 
And for people to think this is appropriate is disgusting to me. I couldn't even get irreversible damage in the high school. And we've got all this crap in our, in our middle school and high school. Something is really wrong here. Abby. As a student who sits in a classroom at Bonneagle High School every single day, I just want to say that I don't worry about books. I worry about the possibility of a school shooting. I feel like that is a bigger problem than banning books right now.